my heart is so full of such a such an encouraging uh, message that Becky shared with us. And I think only in God's providence can can the whole service come together like this. I mean, like Carlson and Becky and I, we didn't we didn't come together. We didn't discuss what we were going to say. Um, but just you know, Becky showing us from the field in a foreign country how God answers prayer and how our, our text today uh, providentially is on prayer. I mean, this is this is the way that we are running our mission Sunday that we will have a mission speaker come, but we will not burden the mission speaker with trying to share what's happening in the field as well as, you know, a teach from the Bible as well. We want, we want uh, the person to be able to focus on, on updating us, getting us news from the front line, what's happening there. Uh, and then on a, you know, with a shorter time, either Andrew or myself will share from the Bible something related to missions. So the decision was made that we would continue with Philippians. We won't choose, uh, you know, like special missions text. But in God's providence, it is, in a way, a missions text. I mean, not the sort of missions text we would be familiar with, or more familiar with, but this is, this is Paul's prayer for the partners in Philippi, who are engaged in the work of the gospel. And so it is, in many ways, a missions text. Now, those of you who have been here for a while now, somewhere somewhere around this time, you expect me to start praying. Right? You know, Andrew, he comes, he'll say, he'll pray first, okay? But me, I will come, I'll talk, 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 talk first, then we'll pray. Now, so you are the observant type. Somewhere around this time, you expect me to get to prayer. But because we are focused on prayer, because this text is about prayer, I think it is it's important that we remind ourselves just who it is we are going to be praying to. Because so often, you know, you just expect, okay, he will pray before he gets into the text. And then when I start praying, some of you might open the Bible, some of you might check the SMS, some of us, our minds would wander and, you know, think what's going to happen after the service. No, no, we need to remind ourselves just who it is we are praying to. And I'm so thankful because I said, you know, like, like Carlson and I, we didn't get together and discuss what we were going to, what we were going to do, but did you notice so many of the songs he chose focused on God as creator? And that, that's, that's who we are praying to. That this is, this is the God who made everything. That this is the God who, who is the reason that you and I are alive right now. See, on, on Tuesday, just this Tuesday, my granduncle, um, who's a pastor in the States, he woke up at night. He was feeling a bit cold. He went to the toilet. He had a heart attack and he died. See, just, just like that. I mean, no warning. There was, you know, I mean, he didn't suffer from anything. He was, as far as I knew, 
he was eating healthily, he was exercising, but just like the Lord said, okay, Daniel Chan, it's time. And so the, the, the only reason you and I are alive right now because this, this God, this God who is in heaven, who is, who is seated on his throne, you know, where the, the, the angels are flying around him and saying, holy, holy, holy is this God. And all the 24 elders are just bowing down day and night, bowing down and giving praise to this God. This is the God that we are about to speak to right now. So don't think about looking at your phone. Don't think about what are the things you need to do. Just focus on talking to this God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, what a privilege it is that we can come before you, we can call you our Father, and and, and because of Jesus, we can have the assurance that what we say to you, Father, you hear. And more than just hearing in your in your grand and wonderful purposes, you answer. And so, Father, I pray now that as we hear your word, please, please speak to us. Please make this love that Paul prays for abound more and more in each one of us in knowledge and insight. That we would discern what is best that we will be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, that we will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through your precious Son. And we pray all this, that you might receive all the glory, all the praise. Thank you, Father. Amen. Now I want to make a confession. And the confession is... This this text, I mean, it's not the first time I'm teaching it, but I've always taught Philippians 1, 9 to 11, on its own. And when I mean on its own, I've always taught it, you know, in a way a bit isolated from its context. I mean, because, I mean, the words, abounding love, you know, discern what is best. I mean, it's, it's so universal. I mean, it's so applicable in you know, all the situations of life. And so, okay, the confession is I've always taught it without looking carefully at the context. But because I knew it was Mission Sunday, so I was thinking, hey, is there anything missionary, missions thing about this text? And, 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 and indeed there is, because Paul is praying for his gospel partners. And, and in this whole letter, one of the big themes of Philippians is his trying to encourage them to, to more and more put the gospel first more and more be you know partners with him single minded wholehearted in the work of the gospel and so his prayer here is towards the end what he tells them he's continually praying for them is so that they might indeed grow in their persevering and single mindedness for the advancement of the gospel it is a very uh, missions-minded text and prayer. So the first thing he prays is he prays that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So he prays that it is not sentimental love that might increase, but but love that is marked by knowledge, that that is marked by 
you know, knowing God, marked by discernment and, and, and how to apply and how to love. Now, Paul doesn't specify, you know, whether it's love for God or, you know, love for each other that, that increases. So I, I'm, I, I take it that he's talking in general, this, this love to increase. And so you understand, in terms of wanting them to obey God, you can understand that he prays for their love for God to increase. Then, of course, as they love God more, they would obey his command to, you know, preach the gospel. And as they love their neighbors more, those who are without Christ, uh, they would go out and, and share the gospel with them. But why would he pray for love for one another? I mean, why? What, what has love one for another got to do with it? And I'm so glad, you know, Becky, the first thing she shared was about how when missionaries come together, different cultures, different countries, different language, they need love in order to be united. And that is, in chapter 2, what we will see. That Paul says you need to, you need to be of like mind, one spirit, you know, in love, standing side by side, contending as one man. There needs to be a unity. And, and we'll see Paul talk about that uh, in the later verses. So that's why he prays that their love one for another might increase, might abound. But there's a more fundamental reason. In John chapter 13, verse 35, the Lord Jesus said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you preach his word. Is it that? Is it? Is that a reference? No, no. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How does the world know that these people belong and follow Jesus? When they see them loving one another. So, so, let me ask you, what does the world see when they look at the church? What does the watching world see when they look at the church? Unfortunately, in so many places, what they see is the rich hanging out with the rich. They see those who are, you know, more highly educated congregating with the more highly educated. They see those who have this, you know, same interest in golf coming together. They see those, I mean, they see cliques forming. They see, they see the church spending money on themselves. They see in the church when disagreements happen, people leave. They see people coming to church and asking, you know, what can I get out of this? And so the watching world looks at the church and sees, hey, it's no big deal. They're just like me. <laughs> no big difference. They're just like me. And so Paul prays that their love for one another might abound more and more. That they, that they may so love one another that the watching world, when it sees, hey, that, that must be a follower of Jesus. 
Because that person looks like Jesus. Because who, who is the greatest lover? Who is the one who has loved so completely and fully and self-sacrificially? Jesus. And so if we say we are followers of this Jesus, but in our love for one another, we don't look anything like him. Of course, the world would not know that we are his disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so Paul prays for this love to abound more and more. Now, the next thing he goes on to is, is what's, what's the purpose of this love and knowledge, you know, growing more and more? Well, he says in verse 10, verse 10, so that, okay, so this love and knowledge abounding is so that, okay, it's for this purpose, okay, is so that you may be able to discern what is best. Now, the, the word discern there is not just to know. Ah, okay, I can discern. This is best, this is not best. No, no, the word there comes with it, not just knowing, but in knowing, grabbing it. You understand? It's not just, ah, this is, this is, this is best, this is not best, I, I'll still want this one. No, no, no. Discerning is knowing and grabbing. Okay? Grabbing what is best. And I'm sure when, you know, Paul says best here, well, all of us Singaporeans will perk up, huh? Right? You perk up, ah, what's best, what's best? Because we're so kiasu, right? Okay, so this is, this is, this is one place where you can let your kiasuness, you know, run free, you know? Go! Yes, go! You know, Singaporean, Singaporean Christians, go for what is best. But what does Paul mean by best here? Okay, now, you need to try and follow the logic of his prayer. Okay? Okay, now, those of you who went through the Bible study, you would have done an exercise on this. But the logic is quite simple. Okay? He prays for love and knowledge to increase so that they may discern what is best and so that they may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You see, so there are like two purposes. Love and knowledge increase so that they'll grab what is best and so that they will be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. Okay? Now, you see, in the present, like right now, okay? In the present, present moment, choose, grab what's best. So that on the day of Christ, which is future, okay, the day of Christ that's coming, so that on the day of Christ that is coming, we would be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Okay, so you see, which means where we are heading. Okay, so in the present, we are to do this, choosing what is best, so that in the future, on the future day when Christ returns, we would be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, so where we are going, the end point helps us see what at the present is best. Okay, you understand? You, you, you following? Okay, so, so let's ask on that final day to be found pure and blameless, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. How? I mean, how does that happen? What, what's that about? Now, okay, I mean, I could go on about uh, individual words, but Essentially, it is about obedience, right? I mean, essentially, it is about obeying God, obeying Jesus, right? Then we'll be pure, we will be blameless. 
Because we have obeyed, we'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Because we've done the right thing, we've obeyed Him. We've got all this fruit of all this righteous obedience, righteous deeds behind us. Now, as, as you know, there are many, 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 many commands in the Bible. But in the case of this, this prayer, this context where Paul is trying to encourage them, to to fuller and more committed gospel partnership. In the case of the Lord Jesus himself, what is the the one thing the Lord Jesus has asked for? Now, I mean, in in the way that he's, he's set it up, the way that he's emphasized, what is the one thing the Lord Jesus has asked for? When he came back from the dead. The one command he gave was go and make disciples of all the nations. That's that's the one thing he's asked for. I mean, he hasn't asked for, you know, big programs. He hasn't asked for, you know, many people to just raise their hands at a meeting. He's asked for disciples to be made. And so what is best I mean, so if on that day, you know, to be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness, is that is that people who have obeyed the one thing, who have who have come and sought to give Jesus the one thing he's asked for. Which means at the present, what is best is defined by obedience to the Great Commission. What what in light of the Lord Jesus' great commission to all his disciples. I mean, I mean, the way he set it up when he came back from the dead, this was the one thing he said. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And so in light of that, what today in the present is the best use of your time? What, according to your situation, would be the best use of your, of your monetary resources? What would be the best use of your abilities? Not, you see, don't, you must be even more Singaporean, right? No, you can't settle for what is best according to what other Singaporeans think is best. Right, you know, you, you, you must go for what is best according to what God thinks is best. And so, in light of the Great Commission, what would be the best use of your time, money, and abilities? But, I must warn us here, because at this time we would be thinking, okay, okay, these are the things I need to do, okay, you know, okay, I'm hearing from the Bible, and okay, I need to just get out and do these things. Yes, yes, there are things we need to do, but we need to remember that it is not by our own efforts. Because in the Great Commission, how does Jesus assure them? He says, yes, you know, go make disciples of all the nations. And then he says at the end, and I am with you always. As you, as you are discerning what is the best use of your time, money and abilities, as you're seeking to obey the Great Commission, Jesus says, I am with you. I'm with 
You, you are not alone. It's not your own strength. It's just not your own abilities. I am with you as you obey me, as you do this great commission that I'm commanding you to do. He's with us. And here Paul, in this prayer, reflects an understanding of that because he says, on that day, when Christ returns, we, he prays that we will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You know, on that day, we, we will have no cause to pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, Jesus, look, look at what I've done. No, no, no. It will be abundantly clear that it's because Jesus has been with us allow us to discern what is best and do and choose and grab what is best and so that in obeying the Great Commission, there's this fruit of righteousness that has come through Him. And then Paul says, all this, all of this, to the glory and praise of God. I mean, when Carlson shared about What's now happening in, in Iraq of, of people because of this crisis turning to Christ? I mean, why were we so quiet? Why were we so quiet? I mean, God in heaven is cheering. God in heaven was rejoicing. I mean, you know, the passage in, uh, Luke, I think it's Luke 15. Okay, so, so one of my children's, the story Bibles, you know, it says the angels rejoice when one sinner turns to the Lord, right? I say, no, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. So I made them say, no, no, there's something wrong in this children's uh, story book. And so well, it's so, so nice to see, you know, Elliot and Sharona opening their Bibles, looking at the story and trying to, trying to find out what was wrong. And then, okay, like, Elliot's a smarter one. So he said, ah, it's not the angels rejoicing. It's God. God. Okay, I mean, look at it later if you, if you don't believe me. It's, it's, we always think it's the angels rejoicing. No, but it's the one who is in the presence of the angels. And that's God. Why, why were we so quiet? God in heaven rejoicing. Because here was a person, an individual made in his image who, for the past you know, however many years of her life thought this statue was a god or, 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 or you know, worship these things. But by the working of his powerful spirit, now, now acknowledge the creator of her, creator of the universe as her god and accepted what his son has done for her. She's acknowledging him. Glory and praise going to God. Okay. We're ending, we're ending. Now, this week, I was listening to a sermon and uh, the speaker pointed out something really interesting. That, isn't it interesting that in the New Testament, who can name me a command to pray for the lost. Who can find in the pages of the New Testament uh, a sample, uh, you know, example of a prayer for the lost? Now, I mean, that, that, that is there, but it's harder for us to think of it. 
but rather prayers for the people of God. Ah, we just read one. And, you know, all the books that are besides Philippians, I mean, in all the books, Paul will say, this is what I pray for you. And he tells us what he prays for the church. So, isn't it interesting that in the pages of the New Testament, there's relatively few prayers for the lost, you know, even exhortations to pray for the lost. But there are so many exhortations, so many examples of prayer for God to work in the church. Isn't it interesting? But if we think about what is our tendency, what is our, our, our great temptation as we, as we come together as church and seek to do church and seek to do ministry, it makes sense. Because so often, so often you and I, we are tempted to do the work of ministry without seeking the power of God in prayer. So often we are tempted to try and do the work of God without in prayer seeking that He might work powerfully in us in order to accomplish that work. And so, you know, in uh, NTU where you give me the privilege of working with students two days a week, I'm trying to get them to do evangelism. You know, so I, I, I bring them around campus and, and, you know, uh, talk to, talk to, uh, students. I, I, I teach them about how to share the gospel. And there's this two particular girls, uh, that I meet and teach them how to do two ways to live. And we, we pray for their friends. And so at the beginning of the semester, this girl shared that she, she's trying to pray, trying to reach out to her roommate. But this roommate is antagonistic. Okay, she said, no, or, or, or you know, Alison, she's just really hostile. She's antagonistic towards Christians. Okay, so we keep praying, keep praying. But a few months later, she comes and she shares that, hey, Alison, you know, like, you know, because her best friend is now going to church. and So Alison is now interested and, and, and actually said to her, I'm, I'm interested in finding out more about Jesus. Okay? Okay, the, the, the once antagonistic to Christian roommate actually said, I now am interested to see what's in the Bible. Okay? Okay, you go, you, a big change, right? An answer to prayer, praise God. But then, uh, week after week after that, I, I, I talked to, you know, this girl, I said, hey, I mean, we're, we're learning how to, you know, you know, show from the Bible, you know, go through John's Gospel, teach them about it. You know, have you done the first study with her? No. Every week, no. Every week, some excuse. I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm, why? The person has already said, I am in, she's no longer antagonistic. She's no longer hostile. She, she's the one that opened her mouth and said, I, I'm interested to see what's in the Bible. And, and yet, why is this Christian sister, week after week, she's come up with excuses, week after week, she just doesn't do it. Because unless, unless she grows in love, that's marked by knowledge and depth of insight, unless she, she is enabled by God to discern what is best, unless she is filled with power, she will not be able to. She, in fact, she doesn't even want to do the work of God. So friends, 
Paul shows us that what we need is not, you know, the latest how to make disciples technique from US. What we need is not some grand website, though that's good. You know, I'm not, I love the website. Okay, don't, don't take it personally. But, but, but what we need is not just to come together, you know, with our brains and plan and execute things. What we need is to come and and get down on our knees and bow our face to the ground and seek God. We need God. We need God to fill us with power. We need the presence of God. We need God to make our hearts abound with love. We need God to work in us and amongst us and, 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 and through us. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. The harvest is plentiful. But the, the workers, the workers are, are too busy on, on their trivial things. The workers are too busy, you know, uh, uh, you know, dealing with hurt and bitterness because this person didn't friend me. The workers are too absorbed in their own lives. We need to pray that God would raise up in our church workers because the harvest is plentiful. We need God. We need God. We need God to work. We need to pray. We need God to work. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. And please show us our need for you. Please, Father, please forbid that this gathering of your people will be known only for our faithful Bible teaching, but nothing else. But I pray that we will also be known for our love for one another, that we will be also be known for our desperate prayer to you, that you would be present amongst us, that you would be powerfully at work in us and through us. And all this to your glory we pray. Amen.